Welcome to the weekly worship service from St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School in Bourbon A and Kankakee. In today's service, you will hear readings from God's Word, a message from our pastor, the Lord's Prayer, and a blessing for you and your family. But first, a few announcements about our ministry at St. Paul's. We invite you to join us for our weekly 5 p.m. Saturday worship service at our church located at 348 East Merchant Street in downtown Kankakee. We also hold weekly Sunday morning worship services at 8.30 and 11.05 at our school site, located at 1780 Career Center Road in Bourbon A. If you have any health reasons that might keep you away from in-person worship, please consider one of our alternative worship services, such as our worship page on our website, our weekly WKAN broadcast, and through our Facebook stream. You may also request an audio copy or opt for our podcast. All worship services and church information are available on our website at stpaulslutheran.net. The latest information on our response to the pandemic is available by clicking the COVID-19 tab at the top of the page. For more information about St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School, please call the church office at 815-932-0312. And now we pray that you are blessed by the Word of God in today's worship. Of righteousness, 
a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Aliens will shepherd your flocks. Foreigners will work your fields and vineyards. And you will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. You will feed on the wealth of nations, and in their riches you will boast. The epistle lesson is from Galatians chapter 5. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. You, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, live by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They're in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Please rise for the gospel. comes from that Gospel of John that we read just a few moments ago. Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, we give you thanks for the freedom and grace that you bestow upon us. 
Guide us in these days that we remain true to your word. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our Maker and our Redeemer. Amen. Just for a little emphasis, I'm going to read just one more time that gospel reading so those words ring clear to us. Jesus said in John 8, it says, To the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They, meaning the Jews, answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Today's July 4th, Independence Day, and I hope we'll take time uh, today to consider the freedoms uh, that we enjoy. It's easy, as you think about it, with all the talk shows on TV and all the newscasts and all the political uh, hubbub and all that sort of thing, to pick on the faults of our country and its leaders. And we certainly may not like everything that's happening in Washington, D.C., but our country is still the best one out there. We enjoy a freedom and prosperity greater than any nation in history. So let's thank God on this 4th of July and every day for the mercies he's shown us in the United States of America. As you'll recall, that United States of America, the formation st stages started with the Declaration of Independence. And in there, 56 men signed that document and said that they hold these truths to be self-evident. And I don't know if we've ever taken the opportunity or the, looked and reflected a little bit, what happened to those 56 signers of the Declaration of Independence? Well, here's what occurred after that signing. Five of them were captured by the British as traitors and tortured until they died. Twelve had their homes ransacked and burned. Two lost sons in the Revolutionary War, and another had his sons captured. Nine of those 56 signers fought and died from wounds or hardships of the war. What kind of men, what kind of people were they? Well, 24 of them were lawyers and judges. 11 were merchants, nine were farmers and plantation owners. They were men of means and well-educated, but they signed that Declaration of Independence knowing full well it could mean great danger and either, even death to each of them. And that certainly turned out to be true. Here's some more examples. One of those signers, Carter Braxton of Virginia, was a wealthy planter and trader. He saw his ships destroyed by the British Navy, and as a result, he was forced to sell his home and his properties, pay all of his debts, and died in rags. Another signer, Thomas McKean, was hounded by the British to such an extent that he had to keep himself and his family always on the move in various hiding places as they searched out for him. Vandals or soldiers looted the properties of many of those Declaration signers. Just one of those, Nelson, uh, his home was taken over by the British general, Cornwallis, and Mr. Nelson had the, the, the fortitude or whatever it takes to actually have to have George Washington fire shots and you know, 
bombard basically his own home. So his home was destroyed by the revolutionary uh, troops um, at his request because the British were all holed up in there. Another signer, Francis Lewis, had his home and properties destroyed. The British jailed his wife. She died several months later. Still another, John Hart, was driven from his wife's bedside as she lay ill. His fields and mill were laid to waste. He had 13 children, all of which fled in various directions for protection. These are the stories of the sacrifices of those that were involved in that American Revolution. The signers of the Declaration of Independence were not some sort of wild-eyed, foolish rebels. Instead, they were soft-spoken men of means and education. They had wealth, but most importantly for us, they valued freedom more than that wealth. They did not waver, and they mutually pledged to each other their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor. Their sacrifices gave us a free and independent United States of America. It's that basic human nature that all of us have is the want to be free. Well, today is Independence Day, and there's going to be a lot of celebrations. I think you can all think maybe what you're doing here later today, and we'll join all of our fellow citizens to celebrate the 4th of July. Words that pop up in your head when you think 4th of July, what pops up? Well, one thing might be fireworks. Another thing might be cookouts. Still another may be family gatherings. Or another may, oh, I get a day off from work. I would hope, though, that some of us would add the words to that list of association with 4th of July, the word freedom. After all, that's why we call it Independence Day. Remember some of the men I just gave you a little description of. They declared their independence from England, and they wanted to be free men and to give that gift to those such as us that came after them. It's been some 245 years since they signed that Declaration of Independence. Since it's been such a significant period of time, it may be easy for us to forget that freedom is the very foundation of this holiday that we celebrate. Although you would think that freedom would be a hard thing to forget because it's so important, experience shows us that freedom is often underappreciated and quickly taken for granted. Even on a holiday like this dedicated to freedom, we tend to get sidetracked with less important things. If that's true in the, in the setting of our national freedom, how much more is it true in our spiritual freedom? And that's the point was being made in our gospel lesson today. In the word of God before us today, we're reminded of that spiritual freedom that's ours through Christ Jesus. Jesus said, and you're going to hear these words a lot over the next few minutes, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Jesus at that time was speaking to the Jews who believed in him, but that text really rings very much true for all of us, so that we are offered that same offer to live in the freedom of Jesus Christ. And before we look uh, at that freedom in Jesus just a little bit more. I want to ask you still another question back to the United States and our freedom there. If you were asked to identify what's the most important element, what's the key to preserving the freedoms that we enjoy in our country, some people might say, well, it's our military. We have a very strong military. We've got all the, the, the weapons and everything else to protect our, company, our, our country. Others might say the key to preserving our freedom is a strong economy. 
Still others may say our freedom rests on our Constitution and those who work to uphold it. Although these are all very good and correct answers, there's one answer that's still even more important than that, and that is the key to keeping our freedom is knowledge. If you think about it a moment, unless we know what our freedoms are, and unless we know the price that others paid to secure them, then we're surely likely to lose them. You know, Jesus was making that same point here as he was speaking to the Jews, where he said, again those words, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Holding tightly to Jesus' teaching is then the basis for living in freedom. Just as we teach our children about the freedoms we have in our Constitution and the Bill of Rights, and I think all of us can remember maybe taking Constitution tests in school over the years, Jesus wants all of us to learn about the spiritual freedoms we have through him. Think about it a moment. As a follower of Jesus, you and I have freedom from the guilt and burden of sin. Our Savior has broken those bonds that held us. But if we don't hold tightly to Jesus' teaching, we'll soon forget about that freedom, and Satan once more will have hold of us. The writer of Hebrews reminds us that Jesus died as a ransom to set us free from our sins. And even in the early church, it was, they were quick to forget about those freedoms that they had. The Apostle Paul had to remind the Galatian Christians about this. In um, Galatians 5, verse 1, he said to them, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened by the yoke of slavery. They had drifted away from that. And similarly, in Ephesians 3.12, the Apostle Paul wrote, In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Similarly, Hebrews 2.15 tells us that Jesus has set free all those who have their lives held in slavery by the fear of death. So then, what are, just what exactly are our spiritual freedoms? Well, one of them is, we know that our sins are forgiven and forgotten by God. That's freedom. Another one is, we have freedom to speak to God in prayer. Now that's real freedom. Still another, we have freedom to approach God without fear. That's freedom as well. And finally, and most importantly, we have freedom from death. Easter proved that that death was permanently conquered by Jesus Christ on our behalf. That's real freedom indeed. But there's always the danger that we're going to forget about these freedoms, or we may take them for granted. So to live in the freedom that Jesus offers, he reminds us again to hold tightly to his teaching. We need to be careful about the teaching out there. Sometimes even in our churches, we tend to drift away from that. Teaching sometimes begins to focus on us rather than on God. And when we do that, we become slaves to sin all over again. So we can see why Jesus said, again, to hold tightly to his teachings so that we can live in the freedom he offers. Those words again, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Jesus says that knowledge of the truth is the key to our spiritual freedom. You see, the more we're in Jesus' word, the more we study it, the more we hear it, 
the more we'll be able to spot anything that is false and the more it will keep us from being slaves to sin again. Does anybody remember uh, baseball legend Ted Williams? I think I remember a little bit about him. Uh, he, he was a slugger who played for the Boston Red Sox and died in 2002. Ted Williams had an amazing sense of discernment about baseball bats. He used to check his bats every day with a postal scale to check the weight to make sure they were not affected by the humidity of the summertime air. One time, his teammates, as trying to tease him, put six of his bats in front of him and asked him to tell them which was the heaviest of those six bats. And he was able to quickly do that in just a few moments. Another time, he sent a whole batch of bats back to the Louisville Slugger Company because he said the handles just don't feel right. And when those returned to the factory, they looked at them, and sure enough, they were off by, get this, five one-thousandths of an inch. What gave Ted Williams such a keen sense to detect these small differences in baseball bats? Well, he used them every day, and that was his work. That was his way of making a living. If you think about it, the same applies to us in our spiritual discernment. Our spiritual discernment will get sharper and sharper if we hold tightly to Jesus' teaching and use it every day as well. Then we will know the truth, and the truth will set us free. The discipleship of which Jesus speaks in our text involves constantly remaining in his word. This, in turn, means four things. Constant listening, constant learning, constant consideration, and constant obeying. Constant listening in the sense that we're in worship, we hear the word proclaimed, we're in Bible study, we're in our personal devotions, and most importantly with the constant, uh, uh, constant listening, that we actually take time on occasion to just sit down and listen to what God has to say in our lives. Constant learning, it's a lifelong process. We don't graduate from learning about Christ's word on Confirmation Day, much to the, the, uh, the dis, uh, uh, disappointment of our eighth graders. No, just teaching. <laughs> um, and constant consideration. You know, if you, if you have to do one of these once <laughs> and to give this little talk like we're doing this morning, or you do a Bible study or anything else, you know what it means to really dive into the word and try to find out what it has to say for us. So. And constant obeying. You know, our holding tightly to Jesus doesn't mean just some sort of academic thing. It's not something you get a degree in or whatever else, but it's finding out what Jesus wants us to do and taking action on that and actually putting that into action as a Christian. So listen again, though, to how the Jews looked at that. Uh, they, who once believed in Jesus, reacted to the freedom in a kind of a negative way here in our text. Remember, they said, they answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we have been set free? Well, you know, when it came to relying on the Messiah for salvation, many of the Jews rejected that idea. They wanted to rely on their own goodness, their own best efforts, and their own heritage uh, to be in a right relationship with the Lord. So what made those Jews that rejected this slaves to sin? Well, first of all, they looked to self. They looked to themselves and thought they could do it themselves through their, uh, all their practices and teaching. 
Well, if you think about it, we can similarly slip into that problem today. There are temptations and desires for all of us to take credit for something on our own part for salvation. Well, obviously that's wrong, and Satan slithers right up to us and tries to promote that. He'll say, look at the good Christian life you, need, you lead. You go to church on Sunday, you attend Bible class, you've you know, been through a Christian day school or whatever it may be. Certainly God must love you because of all the good that you do. Soon then you can see that focus which is to us rather than to Jesus and his word and makes us again in the risk of losing our freedom that he grants to us. The same thing applies to ancestors, what the Jews. The Jews tried to hang their hats on what Abraham had done, and they're the bloodline of Abraham, and somehow they're right in God's sight automatically. We can also fall into that same sort of trap. We can point to our heritage as a ticket into heaven. I've been a lifelong Lutheran. My grandparents went to this church and school, were baptized, confirmed, Buried here, all that sort of thing. I, was, I went to Sunday school. Back in the day when I went, used to get little pins for attendance. Oh, I got a big bunch of pins on there for all the, my perfect attendance at Sunday school. Those kinds of things can slip into our minds. And that, the problem with that, again, is it takes our eyes off the cross and our thoughts off of Jesus' teaching and will make us a slave to sin again. So to live in freedom, Jesus offers, we need to hold not only to his teaching, but also let his teaching set us free. In Christ, we are freed. In Christ, we're forgiven. Jesus reminds us of his love. Through his death on the cross, we can walk away from the chains of sin and be bound to Jesus' eternal love. We can live every day in the freedom he offers. Jesus will break those chains of fear and guilt and doubt and truly set us free to live for God. It's been said that the price of freedom from a national perspective, and our nation's perspective rather, is eternal vigilance. Those who are free and desire to remain free must know the freedoms they have and treasure them. But the price of spiritual freedom is also eternal vigilance. Our Savior has liberated us. We need to take to, word, to heart his words again. If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So let's always live, then, in the freedom that Jesus offers. Hold tightly to his teaching. Let his teaching set you free. May we know his words. May we live in his grace and forgiveness. And may we proclaim the great gift of the, wor the world was given in Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Please stand. May the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit 
the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Dear friends, go with God's blessing this day. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and give you his peace. Amen. Thank you for joining us in this time of worship. From all of us at St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School, we thank you for listening. More worship opportunities are available on our website at stpaulslutheran.net. Just click worship at the top of the page. May God bless you and your family each and every day. And again, thank you for listening.